3: A warm-up from Lilo. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. He's got a great podcast for you. as Danny Vietti in the second segment is going to be joining me. This is our National League Preview Podcast, and we're going to be taking a look at pretty much every one of these teams. He is out there in the great state of California. He does a good job of taking a look at the San Diego Padres in National League West, so we're going to get that take from him. He does a great job of looking at pitching as well and just how important depth is, so we're going to be taking a look at a lot of these National League teams as well, and I think it's going to be very intriguing to see what we wind up getting because now we've got the designated hitter in the National League as well, and I'll be talking about how to shade your numbers a little bit in the first segment with regards to the DH coming to the National League, so we're We're going to be addressing that on this podcast as well, talking about all these teams with our good friend Danny in the second segment and then the final segment. Going to be taking a look at the odds to be able to win these divisions, these season win totals, give you guys what I like, what I don't like, a little bit of a two to three minute I guess you call it, breakdown of each team coming into the season as well. So, we've got you guys covered on a whole bunch of fronts and if you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters EM naming does not matter. So as per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. First things first, you might be listening to this on the V Best Bets podcast. That is because we do have a situation in which the feed for my MOB podcast, it is being finalized. So that is why you're just noticing it's a little bit more herky-jerky these first few days. It is a case in which we are now with the Visa Family Podcast, so very happy about that. So the switch over it does take a few days, but as per usual, we will always get you guys covered in some form or fashion with regards to these picks, these analysis. So got you guys all covered there. And then when it comes to shading your numbers with the National League with regards to the designated hitter. I don't think you need to do as much as a lot of people would think. I would say that if this would have came 10 years ago, you would have to adjust a lot of these pitchers' numbers a little bit more because we do notice it in this day and age of Major League Baseball that a lot of pitchers, they wind up getting bold in like the 5th, 6th inning. With regards to batting opportunities, you wind up finding men on like second and third, one out. Pitcher is at like 85 pitches. A lot of managers, they were more prone to pull them out. So this means that really about two at bats a game is what a lot of these National League pitchers were facing off with these pitchers against, for lack of a better term, because the pitcher has to face off against the pitcher. Now you don't have that anymore with regards to the designated hitter and the designated hitter. It is going to be able to help these teams out a little bit more, but. It's a case in which if a pitcher wound up being a starter, he wound up having like an opponent's batting average of, we're going to spitball here, 200, which obviously that's very good. Maybe you shade it up to more like a 210, a 215. I just don't think that you need to do anything quantum with it because of what I mentioned a little bit earlier with a lot of pitchers being pulled very early in games and especially relief pitchers and closers especially. I mean... If you've got a closer facing off against the opposing pitcher in the 8th or ninth inning, you've got yourself just an absolute gem and a masterpiece, so you don't really need to adjust their numbers at all. I would say that when it comes to some of these starters, you do need to make a little bit of a change, but I don't think it's anything in which you need to go all out, and it's not like you don't have a sample size for it. The American League is a very good one for this, and I do think that a lot of National League totals should be a little bit lower than American League totals to start with, because you just always say in the National League, you've got a lot of ballparks early on in the season. They're going to be played in colder environments. You've obviously got teams out there in the National League East, like the Philadelphia Phillies, the New York Mets, teams like that where the ball is just not going to be flying very much at the beginning part of the season. And you take a look at the National League when the wind is blowing in in Chicago in the early and late months of the season so April and May and then September October the ball is going to be very very dead that's going to be helping out these pitchers a lot as well so I do think that is something of consideration and for those of you guys looking at metrics that I'm using to prepare for the upcoming season I to be addressing that on the podcast yesterday when I wanted to take a look at the American League so I've got you guys covered there so this one is going to be a little bit more brief at the top but I don't think that you need to do necessarily overly much with regards to the National League in terms of the DH because it's just a case in which the pitcher wasn't seeing a whole lot of at-bats to start with now, you did wind up having pitcher get a little bit more of a break-in. I do think now, with regards to National League pitchers, they're actually going to be able to go just a tad bit longer rather than shorter because I mentioned it, even though you're going to have a couple tougher matchups without being able to face off against a pitcher, a lot of these guys, they wound up getting lifted for in maybe a situation which they wouldn't an inning or two earlier as well. So, I do think that with regards to bullpen usage, might actually come down just a very, very slight shade When it comes to the National League. So that's sort of my takeaways there. And I think that it's going to be a very intriguing league to take a look at in general. We're going to be diving into all these teams next. With our good friend Danny Vietti of the Wake and Rake podcast along CBS Sports. That's on the flip side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. With myself, Greg Hoops, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast.
0: A woohooer, a hand-clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run. Every hit. Every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast.
2: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
4: searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iheart radio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote
0: greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the overtime network hotline
3: we're back in lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast with myself Greg e. Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guests as this man does absolutely terrific work over there at CBS Sports and he has a podcast vision. That would be the Wake and Rake Podcast. He does that with former MLB pro Will Middlebrooks. You're able to find the Wake and Rake podcast wherever you find your podcast. That's at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter. And to be able to find our guest Danny Vietti on Twitter, you're able to find him at his name. Danny Vietti V-I-E-T-T-I is the spelling on that last name. And Danny, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me.
5: Yeah, of course. Whenever I get your name dropping in and my notifications, I know it's baseball <laughs> season, so I know it's a good time to be alive.
3: Oh, it absolutely is. And it is going to be a spectacular time to take a look at the National League as well, because I think that things are very intriguing. If you take a look at all the odds to be able to win the National League, season win totals, what have you. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. The Los Angeles Dodgers find themselves at the top, and rightfully so. I think that a little bit of an under-the-radar move that we wound up seeing about a few days ago is the fact that Craig Kimbrell wound up going from the Chicago White Sox. He winds up getting traded for A.J. Pollock, and now he is at a Dodgers bullpen that was very solid last year, but I think the big question for the Dodgers is going to be sort of the back half of the rotation for this team because we wound up seeing it last year. Guys just wound up breaking down, but I take a look at the Dodgers, and I think rightfully so, this team is a betting favorite to be able to come out of the National League, be able to win the World Series, and this is a team that, once again, is absolutely stacked.
5: Oh, they are, without a doubt. You look at their lineup. Before they sent off A.J. Pollock to the Chicago White Sox, of course, they were able to represent about eight All-Stars in their lineup at one time, depending on how they uh, platoon that lineup, which is ridiculous. Not to mention, you just mentioned the starting rotation. Mueller, Kershaw, Arias. they're hoping to get Dustin May possibly in the second half of this year they're going to be strong once again. They're the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's exactly what they do. You mentioned the Craig Kimbrell trade. I don't think it could have came at a better time because when Freddie Freeman signed with Los Angeles, so many people were saying, just give the chip to Los Angeles again. Uh, It's their season. They got too much talent. There's no way they're not hoisting a trophy. Myself, I still had concerns with their bullpen because Kenley Jansen went off to Atlanta. Joe Kelly went to Chicago where he'll join AJ Pollock. And so... The Dodgers, what they've been known for over the years is depth, not only in their lineup, but bullpen-wise as well. Now, all of a sudden, you, in the last couple of years, Kike Hernandez went to Boston. Jock Peterson has since gone away. He's now with San Francisco. And then now you're losing some of that bullpen depth that you once possessed. I had question marks when I came to their bullpen. We all know once postseason comes around, it's bullpens and depth that gets you through a long 162-game season and a postseason. So I had serious question marks when it came to Los Angeles. Not to say they weren't going to be incredible, not to say they weren't going to win 105 games this year. But again, once postseason time comes, you need that bullpen depth. And so when I saw Jansen go, when I saw Kelly go, I looked at their bullpen. I know they still have Blake Trinan. They're going to have Dar Gratterall is hopefully going to be healthy. David Price is going to be healthy. They have guys, but to lose depth is huge. And so when they acquired Craig Kimbrell, That answered some of the questions I have, especially depth-wise for this roster. They're going to be a great team. It's a very competitive division. San Francisco is going to be competitive once again. Hopefully, San Diego can get healthy. That would make things more interesting in the NLS as well. Too much depth, there's no such thing. So if Los Angeles can continue to add depth and continue to add to that bullpen, even as the season goes on, I mean they're they're the betting favorite, as they should be.
3: Yep. And you mentioned the fact that you can never have too much depth and a team that is very near and dear to your heart. That would be the Slam Diego Padres, as we do have Danny Vietti joining me on the podcast. They know all about this because towards back up last season, boy, oh, boy, it was not great what they wound up having to throw out there for starters. When Jake Arrieta is getting four starts, you know that things have wound up going very, very bad for you and for the Padres. We have seen some shakeups here in the offseason. Mike Clevenger did not wind up pitching at all last season. So just being able to get him at some point this season, that's going to be big. Chris Paddock, no doubt, was up and down. Joe Musgrove, honestly, Proved to be one of their better signings. You've got you, Darvish, who is most likely going to be able to start opening day for the team. But I do feel like there are quite a few questions when it comes to Padres. I do like the fact that they wind up bringing in Jorge Alfaro. If he's able to stay healthy, that's going to be big. They wind up bringing in Matt Beattie in the offseason. I feel like with the Padres, we're able to feel very good about this lineup. I think the big question becomes, what are you able to get from the back end of this rotation?
5: I'm going to sound like a broken record at this point. The same thing that I mentioned with the Dodgers, I have even more questions when it comes to San Diego, and that's depth. You look at their lineup with Tatis out of the lineup, because he has the injury from the uh, supposed motorcycle accident. And it's thin. It's very thin. You got Jake Cronenworth in the middle of your order, who's a very good hitter, a guy that was an all-star last season. It was deserved. But as your three-hitter middle of the lineup order, it gets very slim after that. Eric Hosmer, they've been trying to trade away all offseason. They supposedly thought they might have had some traction on a deal with the Mets over the last couple of days. That's since fallen through. So you're going to have Hosmer at first base. They did add Luke Voigt. It was a really big time power bat, big time power bat from the right side. I mean, he led the league in home runs two years ago back in 2020. It was a it was a shortened COVID riddled 2020 season. But nonetheless, he displayed his talents in that season. And uh, that's that's a huge bat for them. Will Myers took a big-time step back last year. So now you have Jerkson Profar in left field. Austin Nola behind the dish. You mentioned Alfaro. Him and Nola will get some play time. Caratini's there behind the dish. And Hassan Kim really, really struggled with the bat last season. Hit about 202 last season. Struggled especially against right-handed pitching. He's going to be filling the, the void left by Tatis until Tatis can come back healthy. The rotation, too. I'm just getting started here. You mentioned Joe Musgrove. He was the only thing permanent last year for this team. Clevenger was out all year, and he just got shelled in his first spring training start. Blake Snell was taken out early in his spring training start after a really awful first half to the 2021 season, so he has something to prove. You Darvish, you look at his ERA before the sticky substance crackdown, which was, I believe, June of last year, he had a phenomenal start to the season, much like the Padres. Since the sticky substance crackdown by MLB umpires, His ERA ballooned to five-plus, nearly six last year. He has something to prove. So there's a lot of question marks when it comes to this rotation. Is Chris Baddock going to be involved in that rotation? That remains to be seen. Is Denelson Lamette healthy to be a starter, or is he going to be in the bullpen? That remains to be seen. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to the San Diego Padres, and none bigger than, obviously, the health of Fernando Tatis Jr., the young shortstop.
3: Yep, and I do think that it's going to be really interesting to see how the rotation is going to be used as well, because we recall last season, I mean, the way that they wound up utilizing Nelson LeMet, the way that they wound up utilizing Ryan Weathers, I thought that that was a hot mess. Now you wind up bringing Bob Melvin into the fold, and I think that this is perfect for the San Diego Padres. I would say that in terms of the talent and the talent itself, It's a little bit more thin this year than it was last year, but I do think that Bob Melvin is going to do a much better job of being able to maneuver than Jace Tingler was able to last season, and that's why I feel a little bit more bullish on the Padres this year rather than last year because you can tell that at the end of the year, the pitchers that were in the rotation, when they need to be utilized, they were not utilized, and when they were just burnt out, they were needing to go out there night in and night out, and it caused them to sign guys like Jerry Carrieta and Vinny Velo, which that's not what you want.
5: No, no doubt. I mean, you have to love the addition of Bob Melvin within that locker room. He's well-respected throughout the league. What he was able to do, his success in Oakland, hasn't gone unnoticed, of course. So he's one of the more respected managers in baseball, even in his time in Arizona as well. There's recency bias here too, at least in my eyes, and deserved recency bias. Like I said, Will Myers took a huge step back last year. Power numbers were down. Strikeout numbers were up. Austin Nola was injured much of last season. We mentioned Hassan Kim and how he struggled. His power numbers did not translate to this new league. Trent Grisham was injured much of last season. So the injuries just piled up on San Diego. And, and you could call it bad luck all you want. Denelson Lamette, Adrian Morajone, we mentioned Mike Clevenger. Yes, injuries piled up. Yes, it may have been a bit of bad luck. But at the end of the day, you have to be healthy in order to compete for a championship. And so Bob Melvin's not a doctor. He can do all he wants with the X's and O's and switches, switch up the lineup as much as he can, but he can only do with what he has. And so I agree that Bob Melvin is a great addition. He may even be the, the difference maker between this team competing and not competing. But at the end of the day, this team needs to stay healthy until they can show that they can remain healthy through a 162-game season. I have question marks, and I think a lot of that is deserved.
3: Yep, I do think so as well. I do think that Bob Melvin is going to be able to help with this a little bit, but with that said, you just mentioned it. I mean, if you wind up having Mike Clevenger not pitch for a full year like last year, that's not going to be able to help things out as well, as we do have Danny Vietti joining me right here on the podcast When it comes to the divisions and the race at the top, I feel like the best one in the National League is out east because you take a look at it, the New York Mets wind up making some additions. But as we know, Jacob Agram is going to be out the first couple weeks of the season. You got your concerns there. Max Scherzer is a massive addition, but. This is a gentleman that is now 37 years old, so you've got to be questioning if he's going to be able to last a full season. We have not seen any signs of fall off, but just when you wind up getting to that age, that is a little bit of an issue. And you mentioned injuries with the San Diego Padres. Boy, oh, boy, that lineup of the Mets wound up experiencing them. You've got the reigning champions in the Atlanta Braves, but as we know, Freddie Freeman is out of the fold. Then you got a Phillies team that. Someone called the papers because they actually signed free agent relievers in the offseason. Thank goodness gracious. Finally, they addressed the bullpen. Thank you, Phillies. But with that said, I think that this three-team race is going to be very fascinating. Until I wind up seeing it, I just can't buy into the Mets at this point. But I take a look at the Phillies, and I'm honestly finally a little bit bullish on them. The lineup's going
5: to be nasty, without a doubt. With that said, they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last season and now you're adding kyle schwarber to the fold yes you can dh him but if you dh him that means you're putting nick castellanos in the outfield nick castellanos ever since getting booted from the infield for defensive reasons has been just as poor in the outfield so not a good defender bryce harper in his career you look at his defensive metrics they're not good really good arm obviously talent wise and one of the best hitters in all baseball he's the reigning NL MVP but he's not great defensively. Didi Gregorius, if he can stay healthy, would be a great addition, obviously. So their lineup's good. I mean, JT Real Muto is an absolute stud. Reese Hoskins, he displayed more power last season. If he could display a little bit more consistency, that would go a long way. The bullpen additions are nice. Cork and Abel, very good addition. The starting rotations that with Zach Wheeler and headlined by Aaron Nola and Wheeler, and then the addition of Kyle Gibson, who was an all-star last year at Texas, very good. But depth-wise it's a little thin. You got Zach Eflin, Ranger Suarez in the mix. They had Matt Moore back there last year. So the depth-wise just isn't quite there. The lineup-wise, they stack up with the best of them. You mentioned the New York Mets. While they are dealing with some injury issues with Jacob DeGrom, they at least have some more depth with Taewon Walker, Rich Hill. I think the reason they were going after that trade with San Diego before it wound up falling through was because the possibility of adding Chris Paddock to potentially fill the void left by a Jacob deGrom. Max Scherzer was having back issues this last week, so they know that their starting rotation has health concerns going forward. I think the idea of adding a guy like Chris Paddock, who may not be as great of a pitcher as either of those two guys, obviously, but a guy that typically does stay healthy across the season, I think they like that idea. So trying to explain the Mets-Padres-Eric Hosmer trade idea, there was a lot of people confused. I think it was less about Hosmer, more about a guy like Chris Paddock who can and has shown that he can stay healthy. And I think, too, I mean, you didn't mention the Marlins. I'm not saying the Marlins are going to be hoisting a trophy at the end of the year, but their rotation is very nice. and I really like the uh, the additions they made in the offseason with Avesail Garcia. They brought over Joey Wendell from Tampa. So they're going to be a very tough beat as well. It's, a, it's tough one through five.
3: I'm so glad you brought up the Marlins as well because I was looking at their win total. A lot of places had this at 74 and a half, and I like that one over. I think that the Marlins, to your point, the pitching is going to be good. You need Pablo Lopez to be able to stay healthy for a full season, but I'm not saying that the bullpen is like world beaters or anything like that. They've got a lot of nameless, faceless guys. A pair of Anthony's, Anthony Bender and Anthony Bass, that wanted up doing a solid job last year, but these guys are able to hold down the fort. They're a little bit more trustworthy than. Some of those other bullpens that you're going to be seeing, I'm looking at you, Washington Nationals, so I do think that there's a little bit of upside there. And then when it comes to the other division out there in the National League, we saw it last year, and we, I think we're going to see it once again this year. The National League Central was just all about pitching. You wind up seeing the Brewers not necessarily light the world on fire with regards to their bats. But you wind up having Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta when he was healthy. These guys were lights out. That bullpen is amazing. You've got a St. Louis Cardinals team that they bring back Adam Wainwright for his 567th year. and. He still has been very effective, was one of the best pitchers in the second half of last season. And I take a look at this central and I do think that the Brewers should be the rightful favorite until they wind up getting a little bit more on offense. I do think that they are a team that's going to be a little bit hampered, even though I do think that they win the division. I don't know if they're going to be a contender to be able to make the World Series to that point. I think the big question for the Brewers is their a pair of guys in Christian Yelich. Long Kesson-Hira, who wound up seeing drop-offs the last two seasons, if they're able to really ascend, I think that the Brewers could be a real player out there in the National League. If not, I think that the pitching is absolutely amazing, but I just think that you need to be able to get a consistent four runs a game in the postseason. Oh, 100%. The
5: Brewers truly, when you look at their division and how their division is really just not that competitive this year with Cincinnati completely selling the farm, the Cubs are a bit in rebuilding mode, The Cardinals, their entire starting rotation, I mean, talk about injury concerns. Waino, he's 40 years old. He's one of the best pitchers in St. Louis Cardinals history. He had a very strong last season, but again, he's 40 years old. Like, what can we expect out of Adam Wainwright, a 40-year-old? He throws 88 to 90 miles per hour with a a disgusting curveball, of course, and he can hit his spot still. But that's a lot to put on the shoulders of a 40-year-old. We saw Jack Flaherty. He's gone down. He's had injury histories over the past couple seasons. Dakota Hudson, he's coming off injury. Steven Matz, very up and down throughout his career. He's Had a good season, then a bad one, then a good one, then a bad one. Starting rotation really concerns me in St. Louis. So that reason alone, and then the rebuilding teams with the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds, I think the Brewers have a chance to win 100, 105 games this year. I mean, truly, I think that division is so down, and their rotation is that good, and their bullpen with Hader, Williams is coming back. It's nasty. I mean, the Brewers I think could be the best team in the National League, at least in the regular season, just win total wise. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if they wound up at the end of the season to have more wins than anybody, simply because their division is not very good this year.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be so fascinating to take a look at that. The Pittsburgh Pirates having Oniel Cruz down at the minor leagues begin the season. We all know that's all about arbitration time. We all know that that's about service time and everything like that. That's just something that doesn't wind up rubbing me the right way personally. So that is going to be something to watch out for. And then how about if we wind up hitting upon this final team that we haven't yet? And that's a team that wound up winning over a hundred games this last season in the San Francisco Giants. They were absolutely amazing last year. You mentioned it, the fact that Kevin Gosman, he is now on the fold for this team, but Logan Webb, he wound up being one of the best pitchers in baseball last season. Now, the big cog that is out for them, Buster Posey, he was really the lifeblood of that team when you wind up having an experienced catcher like that out there. That is a massive loss. I still take a look at the Giants, and I still think that they're going to be a relatively solid team. and. And you wind up going up against the Rockies and also the Arizona Diamondbacks as many times as you do. You're going to be able to rack up a few wins. But I think that the Giants might be the most intriguing team out there in the National League because I just certainly don't think that they're going to be able to duplicate north of 100 wins from last season. But I think the question is, do they wind up finishing right around 500? Or are they a team that is still going to be hovering in that postseason role?
5: Yeah, I don't think we should expect them to be winning 107 games anymore. I mean, they've only done that once. They set a record last year for most wins last year. I think everything came together for him last year. With that said, I have the utmost trust and respect for Farhan Zaidi, head of operations in the front office in San Francisco. And so you're not going to be able to fill the shoes of Buster Posey. It's not possible. He's the franchise icon. He's the franchise player. It's not going to happen. But Joey Bart, as the potential to become one of, if not the best hitters in the San Francisco lineup. His ability to hit all fields, the amount of power that he can display, the sky is the roof for that kid, and he's going to be behind the dish and expected to take over catching duties in San Francisco. Brandon Crawford had an incredible season, an MVP caliber season last year. Is he going to be able to repeat that success with the bat? Brandon Belt, he just needs to stay healthy. He's been one of the most productive first basements in the National League when healthy. So again, I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record depth, health, but that's what we talk about this time of year. It's what team can stay healthy. If San Francisco can stay healthy, I have utmost faith in Farhan Zaidi and his ability to field a competitive team.
3: I think it's going to be so intriguing to take a look at the San Francisco Giants, what they're able to do after last year, just an absolute dream season for them, and something else that is a dream, and it comes true more often than not, being able to get you on the podcast, Andy. You do absolutely terrific work over there with CBS, and I know that you've got your own podcast, the Rake and Wake podcast, where people can find that wherever you find this fine podcast, so let the good people at home know it's all on tap for that podcast and just how you're going to be starting off the season and where people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
5: Yeah, when you're not listening to Gray here, definitely check us out across our socials at Wake and Rake Pod. We'll be talking about breakout players. We're going to be doing breakdowns on each division heading into opening day coming up this next week. So at Wake and Rake Pod. And in my latest writing, you can always catch on cbssports.com.
3: Perfect. Danny does absolutely amazing work. Taking a look at the game of baseball. He is out there in the great state of California, holding it down there. And it is always great to get him on the podcast. So big thanks to Danny for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you just what I like in general with regards to the National League for this upcoming season. And take a look at some season win totals.
2: Zumo Play. Mo'Play. play
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
3: we're back here at Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. It is always a pleasure to get Danny Vietti on the podcast. He does great work with his own podcast, The Wake and Rake Podcast. You're able to get this... Podcast, where we find my podcast, which right now we are posting this up to the VSIM Best Bets feed for the next week or so until things wind up getting formalized because this podcast is out for the VSIM family of podcasts. so great to be aboard there, so just letting you guys know that a little bit behind the curtain, but that said, Danny always brings it on this podcast and did so once again today, so big thanks to him. Now let's take a look at some season wins for these teams and I'll go through the divisional odds as well. I really don't have much with regards to Odds to be able to win MVP just because it is such a health-based thing when it comes to odds to be able to win Cy Young. I really don't have too many long shots for you guys. I will be giving you guys game-by-game breakdowns starting midnight Pacific time on Thursday, so you're going to have all that, so there's going to be plenty of action for you guys to have all season long, and as I always mention, I'm not necessarily too much of a massive futures player, so... It's not a case in which I'm going to be firing on every one of these win totals myself. So I just want to make sure that that is known before I wind up giving you guys anything. But we're going to go from most competitive to least competitive with regards to the odds. So the... uh, I guess you call it biggest underdog of a favorite is going to be first with the Atlanta Braves at plus 120 in the East. And then the Brewers are minus 165 to win the Central. And then the Dodgers are north of minus $2 to win the West. So we're going to go in that order. So we're going to start here in the East and give you guys what we've got with regards to odds to be able to win this division. This is from DraftKings. Since v and DraftKings, we've got a nice little agreement there. You've got the Braves at plus 120. The Mets plus 195. Phillies are at plus 330 to be able to win the division. The Miami Marlins are sixteen to one, and then the Washington Nationals they are fifty-five to one. They are by far the long shot. And when it comes to Washington Nationals, you do have some nice pieces with regards to this team. Josiah Gray is someone I think bright days are going to be ahead for them. They brought in a lot of guys with their massive sell-off that you wound up having during the. Um, Trade deadline last season. If you're looking at season wins with regards to this division, you have got the Miami Marlins clocking in at 77 and a half right now. We've seen this take up quite a bit. The Philadelphia Phillies they're at 86 and a half. You've got yourself the Atlanta Braves at 91 and a half, and then from there you've got the Washington Nationals at 71 and a half, and the New York Mets they have fallen a little bit at 88 and a half. We're starting here with the Washington Nationals, and Juan Soto's terrific. There's no protection whatsoever for guys. That named Juan Soto though it is just gonna be very very tough for him to be able to have that like north of 40 home run season because he's going to be intentionally walked so much you take a look at this lineup outside of him and you really have nobody to provide him with any protection whatsoever now good news is on Tuesday the Washington Nationals won like 14 to nothing in a nice little spring training game and Nelson Cruz looked relatively solid but I mean this is like the corpse of Nelson Cruz at this point he's 41 years old that should be able to hop out the team a little bit but I mean, this is a guy that's aging a little bit he's going to be able to hop out at the DH spot, and I do like that from, but you're also looking at someone like a D. Strange Gordon, who's going to need to try to provide for the team. Josh Bell, he's a guy that wound up having 27 home runs last season, but I mean we've seen the best of him, we've seen the worst of him. You've got Mike Calafranco who wound up having a season last season in which was very forgettable with the Baltimore Orioles a few seasons earlier. He's with the Philadelphia Phillies, had his ups and his downs, so you've got your question marks there. And then when it comes to the pitching of the Washington Nationals, Patrick Corbin was an absolute hot mess last season. He actually he saw a rise in velocity and yet he stunk on ice last season at 9-16 and 16 with a 5.82 ERA. I mean, boy oh boy. That is going to be brutal. The Nationals were a very good over team after the trade deadline. I expect that to be the same. Sean Doolittle, he's doing very little for you in the bullpen. Kyle Finnegan, well he wound up having his ups and downs as a reliever last season. A 3.55 ERA was giving up a couple too many bombs and when you're looking at guys like Andres Machado, Patrick Murphy, Tanner Rainey, and Good news is... Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks, is no longer on the rotation. So that by default actually does wind up giving the Nationals a little bit of juice. Their win total here, right around like 71.5. I wouldn't necessarily be looking under, but I certainly wouldn't be looking over because you do have so many question marks. They bring in Cesar Hernandez, here Adrianza, a bunch of just dudes in general. So I do think that they're going to be finishing dead last. We were talking with Danny about the Miami Marlins, and I think that they've got perhaps the most underrated pitching staff in all baseball. I mean, you take a look at what you're able to put together for this team. Trevor Rodgers was banged up last season, but when this guy is at full force, he's capable of being one of the best strikeout pitchers out there in the big leagues. A guy that has shown it time and time again that he is able to rein it in a little bit more if he can get his walks per nine down to, I would say, about three-ish. This guy is going to be rock solid. Mr. Pablo Lopez, who is a guy that I always have liked. He wound up being a little bit banged up last season, but I think that there's some upside there. They actually wanted to making a trade with him, Baltimore Orioles to pretty much get their best two relievers from last season. Tanner Scott, he was the guy that wound up two years ago looking relatively solid last year. It was a hot mess. And then last year, Cole Solzer was like the only guy in that Baltimore Orioles bullpen that you could rely upon for anything whatsoever. He wound up having a celta three ERA with the Baltimore Orioles, so that is going to be able to help out this team and then you take a look at what you're able to get out of Asus Lazardo. He wound up having a rough go of it at the end of last season but if he's able to put it together and we wound up seeing a big rise in his fastball, that is going to be very beneficial for this team because he's a guy with a lot of upside. Only 24 years old. Got just completely shelled last season. I would argue that the Oakland Ace brought him along a little bit too early. He's more of a number 5 starter though because you've got Sandy Alcantara who is a big concept for this team. A guy that could wind up giving them 200 innings this year and with playing in such a pitcher friendly ballpark that is absolutely massive for this Miami Marlins team. So I do see the upside there. You wind up bringing in in the offseason a bunch of guys that are going to be able to hit a lot better for this team. Jacob Sellings at the catcher spot. That winds up cheering things up for them. You then wind up having Jesus Aguiar who going into the month of August I believe led the National League in terms of RBI. That is very good. Gary Cooper wound up being banged up like is here. You're able to pair him up with Avisio Garcia and ore Soler out there in that outfield, and all of a sudden you're looking at something especially with Jazz Shislam now back in full. So the Miami Marlins are a team that I could see winding up finishing right around 500 because I think that the Mets are going to be one of the biggest underachievers out there in the big leagues. Max Scherzer, when he winds up being healthy, is going to be solid for the team, but you got to question whether or not he's going to be able to make it through a full season once again because with Scherzer, this is a guy that's now up there in years. Currently, his age 37 year in July, he's going to be turning 38. Was absolutely masterful last season, wound up having a couple rough starts towards the beginning of the season, then was able to find it, but you got to sense that there's going to be a fall off at some point. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in the big leagues when healthy, but Jacob DeGrom currently is not healthy, which means that you're going to be looking to Mister Carlos Carrasco for starts, and he wound up having a six ERA last season. He just has not been the same since so coming back from cancer. You really commend the guy for being able to come back. It's a feel good story, but he's 35 years old, and he had to survive cancer in order to get back into the league. It's just an uphill battle for him. Now, the one guy that I actually do like is Chris Bassett. He's got you Oakland and Sinker 12 and four last season with the Oakland A's. Now, Oakland during the nighttime is one of the more pitcher friendly. Ballparks, you're going to find, both with Bassett, you absolutely love the strikeout-to-walk rate of north of four last season guy that does a solid job will be able to keep the ball in the yard. Pitching in a relatively pitcher-friendly ballpark, that's going to be solid. And the Mets last season, they had one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. But Aaron Lupe is now out, out of the fold. Drew Familio who as a closer was a hot mess. As a 7th, 8th inning bridge guy, was actually halfway decent. I liked him. So that means that guys like Jolie Rodriguez, Drew Smith, they're going to need to duplicate things. And then Taiwan Walker, what are you going to be able to get out of him? Because... Prior to the All-Star break, this guy was absolutely terrific. You take a look at him from July on. He was a guy that posted up an ERA north of five and on the road last season, five eighty-two ERA, three and seven record, gave up fourteen home runs and fourteen starts away from City Field. So I've uh, got my question marks there. You've got a Mets team in which Pete Alonso had the most road home runs of any player out there in the big leagues last season, but you're going to be relying upon an outfield that has Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis, Marcana, Sterling Marte of the Marte Parte, and really the only guy I feel good about staying healthy for the entirety of the season is Mister Marte of the Marte Parte. You got Francisco a Lindor wound up finishing off the year better last year, but you could tell that towards the beginning part of the season, he was not comfortable. I don't know what to expect out of him this year. I don't know if he returns to his Cleveland form. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was at the beginning of the year, so I'm sort of splitting the difference. Robinson Cano is ancient and is likely going to be the DH, Eduardo Escobar. After odd start to the year last year, after the Brewers traded for him, you wound up having a precipitous fall off there, so you've got a lot of question marks with that team, and then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, and they'd be my pick to win this division at North $3. Being able to get that, I think you've got some solid value. They're that one team in the National League that, the more I look at them, the more I like them. Because you wound up having Zach Wheeler, after the All-Star break, be legitimately a top-five pitcher in the big leagues. And in September, he was probably the best pitcher in the big leagues. He wound up winning five games in the month of September. A guy that wound up providing over 200 innings. If you take a look at Aaron Noah, he was legitimately one of the most unlucky pitchers in all the big leagues last season. He had a ERA, and the fielding independent was more around a 3-3. Now, you're going to need to accept the fact that Aaron Nola just does not wind up pitching the same when he is on the road as he does at home. Throughout his career, he's had an ERA that's over a point higher whenever he winds up leaving the city of Philadelphia, but he still is a relatively solid guy, wound up having a lot of balls that it would have been out in, like, 10 out of 30 ballparks. Well, he just so happened to be in one of the 10 on that certain day that wound up hurting him quite a bit. I think that he's going to come back. I think that he's going to be solid. A good strikeout guy wound up having 223 punchouts last season strikeouts. Per nine rate of a little bit north of 11, and I mentioned it with our good friend Danny Vietti. The bullpen is finally there. Corey Canable. he was able to rehabilitate his career figuratively and literally last season. Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to expect a lot of guys like Christopher Sanchez, Ryan Sheriff, but you wind up bringing in Brad Hand, a guy that a few years ago was one of the better relievers in the big leagues, which means that no longer are you going to be relying upon guys like Aniel de los Santos. Hector Neris is out of the fold. Thank goodness gracious. Now, Sam Coonrod, someone like that, is still a little bit of a roll of the dice. Jose Alvarado, I think he'll be able to do an okay job, but I mean, when Kyle Gibson is your number four starter, I and mean, I recognize that Kyle Gibson wound up being a very lucky pitcher last season, but I mean, even if he winds regressing this year, still having him as a number four starter, he did wind up having right around a five ERA after being traded from the Texas Rangers, but I think that he'll still be able to provide some relatively solid innings for this team. A guy that that is not necessarily a high strikeout guy, but does a good job of being able to keep things out in front of him. A guy that is going to offer right around three walks per nine innings, so he doesn't necessarily walk a ton of guys. He'll be able to go out there, give you some solid innings. I like the upside of the Philadelphia Phillies, and then You take a look at the other team in the division, the Atlanta Braves. I do think that there's some valid question marks with this team. You do wind up losing Freddie Freeman, who on top of what he provides at the plate was just the face of the organization. I do think that there is something to that, but you do take a look at what you're able to get out of this Atlanta Braves team as well with regards to Matt Olsen coming in. He's one of the best power bats out there in all of baseball. This starting lineup, it is stacked. You've got Max Freed who's absolutely tremendous for this team. I mean, it was just so unfortunate last season. The injury that you wound up seeing to Mike Soroka, and you've got to expect that he's going to be back in some form this year, might not necessarily be himself at the beginning part of the season. But, I mean, Mike Soroka, just being able to get him back in the fold, that is going to be absolutely massive for him because, I mean, he's a young 24-year-old that... During that 2020 season, he was looking like one of the best up-and-coming pitchers in all of baseball. You also have your question marks with Ronald Acuna Jr. He is coming off of a major injury. He's going to be good to go early on here in the season, but with that said, is it going to take him a few games to get things situated? Charlie Morton is a guy that is getting up there in years. He's now 38 as well. Had a very good year last year, and I do have a lot of faith in this bullpen. You've got wascar you know, is going to be rounding out the front half of that rotation with regards to these starters, and in the bullpen. You wind up bringing back Will Smith. Darren O'Day is a guy that's a little bit banged up last season, but we saw him a few years ago be rock solid. AJ Minter was a rock star in the postseason as well. I don't know what sort of a role you're going to have for Tucker Davidson. Does he wind up being a five guy? Does he wind up being a long reliever? But he's someone that you're able to rely upon. Kenley Jansen for all the poop that we want to throw his way. He still had a 2.22 ERA last season with 38 saves. I mean, it's just the fact that he wanted playing in LA that made it so bad with regards to some of the blown saves, and we're gonna call it what it is. Some of those blown saves came in untimely situations, but I mean, by and large, a very solid guy. You bring back Ozzy Albies if you're able to get or anything whatsoever out of Orlando Arcia, who they wanted trading for last year. That's gonna be able to show up an infield that still has James B. Swanson, one of the more underrated Swiss Army knife guys that you're able to find out there in the league. Now, they rolled the dice on Marcel Zuna, so what you're going to be able to get there. I am not sure, but Adam DeFall, he's a guy that's able to belt out a bunch of bombs for the team. Eddie Rosario was able to come to the forefront in the offseason, was able to come to the forefront in the postseason as well. If I'm looking at their win total, I'd be leaning a little bit more towards the under, and I sort of think that they're going to be a team that finishes second in this division, but with that said, I do think that the Atlanta Braves are in for another solid season, and then you take a look at the NL Central. I mentioned it Brewers, they are very solid favorites in this division, minus 165 with them. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals at plus 210, the Chicago Cubs at 11-1, the Reds are at 17-1, and the Pirates are at 75-1. And if you're looking at season win totals, well, shock, shock, surprise, surprise, the Pittsburgh Pirates, pretty low at 65 and a half, St. Louis Cardinals a Clock in at eighty-four and a half. When it comes to the rest of the division, you got a Five and a half with the Chicago Cubs and Milwaukee Brewers. They are the high water mark. They are finding themselves at eighty-nine and a half and then the Cincinnati Reds, they are somewhere in the middle of the top and the bottom here. They are clocking in at 74.5. And I know that there's a lot of people are bearish on the Reds. And I actually think that there might be a little bit of upside here when you take a look at the pitching rotation for this team, no question. Losing Sonny Gray, that is not going to be helping this team out. And I do find it a little bit intriguing that they sold off all that they did. Nick Cassiano's. No longer being in the fold for this team is terrible, but you take a look at Joey Votto. He was legitimately a top-five bat in all of baseball towards back half of last season. He did wind up having Tucker Barnard leave as well, so that's a little bit of an issue. Kyle Farmer has some versatility, though. Jonathan India was one of the best rookies in all of baseball last year. 21 home runs, right around 270 batting average, so he's able to do a good job of being able to get on base. And I do expect a little bit of a resurgence out of Mike Moustakis. Moustakis was just terrible last year. He Could not wind up getting healthy. Six home runs and 183 at-bats at right around the Mendoza line of 200. Being able to get a clean bill of health is going to be big for him, and I think that Max Schrock is going to be able to give you something. They pick up Donovan Solano, so you don't necessarily have a ton of power, but as we know out there in Cincinnati, it is a little bit of a bandbox, and I do think that Aristides Aquino, a guy that wound up having won the most historic August ever a few years ago, might be able to help out this team. You bring in Taylor and Naquin, you've got Tommy Pham in the fold now as well. Pham wound up having just a rough time of it with the Padres, but I think that there's a little bit of upside when it comes to the bullpen. Lucas Sims along Tony 20- Santian. If they do wind up utilizing Santian as a little bit more of a reliever, that could be solid because you've got Tyler Molly, who he's actually got some really good splits when it comes to being on the road. This is a guy that at home was just a hot mess. A 563 home ERA for Molly an 8-2 record with a 230 ERA on the road. This guy can pitch really well away from Cincinnati. That is going to be big for them. Hunter Green is a kid with some good upside as well. Now, they didn't mind him signing Zach Ungodly Awful. Hopefully, he's not seeing the field too much, but Luis Castillo, you take a look at him from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, the 8-16 record. No doubt, it is not great, to say the least, but he had a buck 71 ERA in June, in July at 215, September at 249, so he was a guy that, after a really rough two months out of the season. He had a right around a three ERA. So he got some upside there. They wind up trading for Justin Dunn. So I do think that the Reds are a team that they've got a little bit of upside. I think that they can go over that 74 and a half. Now this division is owned by the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers are going to need to figure things out with the bag a little bit more. They do wind up losing Avisio Garcia, but you do take a look at Willie Adamas, what he was able to do after that trade. That was rock solid. They I actually got a little bit of something here in spring training out of Quesnira hip, hip you're off for Casanera. He wound up hitting a 393 with four bombs and 28 at bat. So that's a very good sign because last year this guy was absolutely terrible. He hit a buck 68. Being a gentleman that was born and raised in the great state of Wisconsin, that was not good to see. I just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of Christian Yelich moving forward. It's just a case of which Yelich during the 2000 and we're going to call it 17 through 19 seasons was amazing, but it's two straight really bad years. for from now, so I think that he's going to do better than what he wound up doing last year, which means that he'll probably get to 20-plus home runs, and Omir Narvaez, someone who's had his ups and his downs, but a guy that's able to get on base for you relatively solidly, guy that's good at the catcher's pop, but I, mean, it is really all about the pitching. With this Brewers team, especially with William Thomas being able to sure things up with regards to that, but I mean, Aaron Ashby is someone that's like a super utility guy with regards to his closing abilities, a guy that is able to come in out of the bullpen for multiple innings, you need him to spot sponsor, he's able to do that, has electrifying stuff, so that's going to be able to help them out, now they signed Trevor Gott for the bullpen, boy, I don't know about that, but I was questioning Brad Boxberger last year as well, and they made that look work, Eric Lauer towards back half the season was really good, 7-5 and five with a 319 ERA, now Miller Park neither necessarily hitter or pitcher friendly, one of the more neutral ballparks they're going to find, but a guy that on the the road wound up having like a 327 ERA after the month of June. So July on, he was a guy that wound up posting up an ERA that hovered right around at 2-3. So he was tremendous towards back half of the season. Adrian, don't call me Dookie Elzer, wound up having a good year last year, 10-6, and six, 322 ERA. Another guy that I think it's going to be intriguing to see how he winds up following up success because he did wind up having a little bit more of a rough month of May and June and then towards back half of the season, he caught lightning in a bottle himself. Brand and Woodruff was the only guy on this Brewers rotation that really experienced a little bit of a fall-off towards back of the season. And if you took a look at him during spring training, didn't necessarily look terrific. He did wind up having a 9-10 record despite a 2.56 ERA. No doubt I think that he's going to be a little bit better than that. But what is so big for the team as well is that now you've got Devin Williams back in the fold. He and Josh Hader. I mean, these guys are locked down in the 8th and ninth innings. You stand no chance with them. Brad Boxberger having him now in the 7th inning as well. That's just such a great 3 a monster. Jake Cousins was good out there in the bullpen. Corbin Burns, he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball last year. Brewers are going to be able to run roughshod through the, the division as a result. It's going to be a lot of low-scoring games, and for the Cardinals, I think that it's going to be very fascinating to see how long these guys are going to be able to hold up, because you're going to need to get some production out of these younger starters. They brought back Drew Verhagen, who was actually pitching over in the continent of Asia a couple years ago. Steven Matz, he's always been Inconsistent through his career. You either get good Steven Matz or you get absolutely awful Steven Matz. And Steven Matz had a 14 and 7 record last year. Probably didn't deserve it with a 382 ERA, but he's someone that has a little bit of upside. A guy that is not necessarily going to be like a high octane strikeout guy, but a guy that is able to get punch outs from time to time. The big thing is. Being able to keep the ball in the yard. A guy that wanted giving up right around 1.3 home runs per 9 innings. He's been a guy that has been just up and down throughout his entire career. Actually wound up pitching some of his best ball towards back half of the season because after the month of June, he had an ERA that was hovering right around 5-ish. That wound up dropping at the end of the year. When it comes to Cardinals, I actually do feel relatively okay about this bullpen. Now, we remember Alex Reyes last year. Boy, oh boy. That was a little bit of a rough situation towards back half of the season, but you bring in Nick Wickren. That's able to sure things up. I like what you're able to get out of Jordan Nix as well. He's going to be back after he was banged up last season. Giovanni Gallegos wound up having a couple rough moments towards back half of the season, but still a 3-ERA overall You want to become the team's closer towards the back half of it. Genesis Cabrera was able to give you some good innings as well. So I think it's really going to be up to someone like a Miles Michaelis being solid because Jack Flaherty is most likely going to be out towards the beginning part of the season to go to Hudson. He wound up having his ailments as well the last few seasons. He wanted coming back for a pair of appearances towards back half of last year and actually looked halfway decent. A guy that has always been a good ground ball pitcher. Then you take a look at the bats. Yadier Molina, he's still. Solid, but this is a guy that is like 567 years old. It's 39, just letting you know that behind the curtain. But still, that is a question mark. Nolan Arenado was able to come on towards back of the season along with Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt, after the month of July, hit like a 330, so he was tremendous. You've got Elber Pools, who is going to be able to help out this team along. Corey Dickerson sort of platooning that DH roles between righties and lefties, so that'll be able to help them out. And then you've got Guy and Tyler O'Neill, who towards back half of the season, this guy was just absolutely masterful. We talk about the Cardinals that are aging, but you do have a few young up-and-comers for this team. Lars Nuttpar, I think, is going to be able to give you some good appearances this season as well. You take a look at what you were able to get out of O'Neill towards back half of the season. 11 home runs with a batting average of three oh three in the month of September. Yeah, that'll check out relatively well. 13 home runs if you want to throw in there those last games in the month of October as well. So, I mean, he was terrific for this team. Paul DeYoung, I've never necessarily been too bullish on him. Amando Sosa is able to get on base for you. So, you do have some limitations there. Adam Wainwright, he is completely anxious, but I like the bullpen of the Cardinals. I think that the Cardinals are a team that they should be able to get over 84.5 wins just because take a look at the rest of the division and man it's not necessarily so great. The Pittsburgh Pirates we don't have to spend much time here. I don't know if I'd be willing to take an under on 65 and a half wins but I can tell you right now I'm not taking the over because you take a look at what you're able to get out of this pitching rotation and JT Burbaker is going to be starting night number one for you. I mean when you've got JT Burbaker starting on opening day and I like JT Burbaker. I think that he's better than his 5 and 13 record with a 536 ERA would indicate last season he was let down a little bit by his outfield, by his fielding in general and he is a guy that needs to figure it out a little bit more on the road. Seventy-eight road ERA, three forty-nine home ERA last season, and a guy that he just gave up bombs. I mean, we're gonna call it what it is: twenty-eight home runs given up in twenty-four starts is completely unacceptable. But he's a young guy with some potential. And I feel that way about Will Crow as well. Pro wound up having a few good starts last season, wound up seeing things go straight down the toilet bowl towards the end of the season, as in the month of August and September, he wound up combining for right around a 6-ish ERA, so and it's not great. Another guy that he wound up giving up 25 home runs at 116 in two-thirds innings, so that's not good, but I mean, Osei Kitana legitimately might be the number two starter for the team. Dylan Peters wound up showing a little bit of upside with the seam, and the bullpen isn't terrible. Chris Stratton is able to give you some okay innings. Dwayne Underwood, you know what? He's not great, but at the same time, he's a kid with possibilities. Zach Thompson is someone that I actually liked with the Miami Marlins last year. He had right around a 325 ERA. You've actually got a little bit of upside with this bullpen, especially if you wind up giving a guy like a Thompson a few starts, Bryce Wilson. He wound up starting a few postseason games for the Atlanta Braves last season. Actually showed to be halfway okay last season, but you just take a look at this lineup as well. I And they stuck all their chips in the basket of one. Greg and boy did that not wind up paying off so now And in there, guys like Cabrian Ace, who he's got some upside. I just don't understand why O'Neal Cruz is not going to be up at the beginning of the season for the team. It's all about money and money alone. Cole Tucker's ever been able to figure it out. Yoshi Satsugo, he actually might have a little bit of upside for the team because you take a look at the 43 games that he played with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hit a 268, 350 on base. He had 8 bombs in that time span. He's a guy that was actually very highly touted coming out of the country of Japan. Wound up absolutely tearing it up out there in the Nippon baseball league. You pick up Daniel back but it's really hard to feel too bullish about this team. Brian Reynolds is probably your best bet at this point so there's really not a lot taken with the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates at this point. That is going to be a sad situation. And then the Cubs, I just don't know what to make out of this team because you've got the Professor Kyle Hendricks, who is masterful at home, and he's masterfully awful on the road. A guy that you just take a look at his home and road splits throughout his career. They are a hot mess. And the Cubs might have the worst bullpen that I am seeing right now in the major leagues aside from the sad and pathetic Baltimore Orioles. I mean, Rowan Wick is a guy that's going to be looked upon for big innings. They do bring in the ancient Jesse Chavez, but Scott E. Frost is going to need to give you big innings. They do pick up Chris Martin, but Chris Martin was a little bit erratic towards back half of the season. Then you take a look at the starting pitching. I like Marcus Stroman, good addition. Drew Smiley is a guy that wanted pitching a little bit better towards back half of the season last year, but I mean he had an 11-4 record with a 4.48 ERA. If he pulls a 440 ERA with the Cubs, he's now pulling out an 11-4 record, and this is a guy that wanted giving up some Rockets last season, a guy that had 41 walks in 126 and two-thirds innings, so that's right around three walks per nine innings. He wanted giving up 27 bombs and 23 starts. That's just not something that is going to be conducive to necessarily performing for this team. They're rolling the dice on Daniel Norris as well, a guy that had some moments while he was with the Tigers, but they weren't necessarily great moments, and then you've got the strikeout king himself on the team who actually wound up hitting quite a few bombs last season. But Patrick Wisdom, I believe out of all qualifying hitters, wound up leading the league with regards to strikeouts per at-bats. Uh, that's not great. C.I. Suzuki winds up coming in from the Nippon Baseball League lot of potential here, but we've seen some of these guys from Japan in recent years come over and they have been a hot mess. Now, Ian App, I think is interesting because he and Clint Frazier, I both think have a little bit of upside. Happ wound up hitting just 225 last season, but you take a look at the way that he wound up closing out the year and he closed it out on a flurry. From August on, he wound up having 15 home runs and he wound up belting right around a 280 batting average in those last two plus months. So he actually ended the year well. Jonathan VR. If you're able to get anything out of him, I think that that would be solid. And Frank Schwindel, to his credit, he wound up hitting a 326 with 14 home runs in 64 games last season. So there's upside here with the Cubs. I don't know if that necessarily comes to a forefront this year because that bullpen is so bad, but I actually think that this lineup is a little bit underrated. So you could be looking at some overs with the Cubs, especially when the wind is blowing out on some of those Wrigley Field days. And then you take a look at the National League West, and yeah, the Dodgers should be the relative favorite. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise, the LA Dodgers with regards to their season win total. They are number one in all Major League Baseball. They are clocking in at a 98 and a half. Now, I think that this summer is a little bit too lofty here. I'd be taking a look at that under because I think the Giants are still going to be around. 86 and a half, I think, is too low for them. I'd be taking a look at an over, and in other books, I've been seeing the Giants more on an 85 and a half. I think that there's some upside there. We'll get into that in a minute, but... You take a look at other season wins for the teams in this division. And you've got the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks at a 67.5. The Slam Diego Padres they're at an 89.5. And then rounding it out, you've got the Colorado Rockies, who I think they might have a little bit of upside. We will get into them in a few minutes, but they find their season win total at a 68.5. And then you take a look at odds to be able to win the division. The LA Dodgers, they are by far the favorites out of any division out there in the National League at minus 235, plus 330. The Slam Diego Padres plus 550 the Giants, and then at 120 to 1, you got the Rockies at 150 to 1, and honestly, that's probably not even value at this point on the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks, but you do take a look at this LA Dodgers team, and we were talking about Danny, think this is a team that they're going to be, once again, very, very good. They've... Reloaded, But you do have to have a couple concerns with the pitching of this team because the Trevor Bauer situation continues to go on. Now, what I like about this team is that they've got depth in the bullpen. We were talking about the addition of Craig Kimbrell. I think that that's massive for starter. all I think that he's going to be able to figure it out this season. Victor Gonzalez was very good for the team. Phil Pickford, who I think is going to be dealing with a little bit of an ailment towards the beginning of the season. He was terrific. But you're going to be looking to Tyler Anderson to give you some innings towards back off of this starting rotation I think that that is a little bit of a roll of the dice because you take a look at him whenever he was away from home, a 542 ERA was... Relatively rock solid whenever he was pitching at home for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but in his 13 starts with Seattle, wound up posting up a 4.81 ERA. Just doesn't necessarily get a bunch of punch outs either. A guy that really prior to last year had never put together a truly great season. So I don't know what you're going to be able to get out of Anderson. You've got an aging Clayton Kershaw as well. So I you take a look at Clayton Kershaw and in his last 33 starts at Dodger Stadium, he's allowing a home run per home start. That's been a little bit of a fall off for him. He wound up having a 355 ERA last season. Health is always a concern with him. Now, Tommy Kanely coming back from injury, that helps out this bullpen. You've got Danny Hudson. You've got Blake Tryon. So, you've got all these guys. Do you wind up utilizing David Price as a starter once again this year if you wind up seeing a couple of ailments? Because I actually do like what I wind up seeing out of Mitch White and then Julio Arias wound up leading all baseball with 20 wins. Now, the one thing that you know with this team is that, yeah, this lineup is stacked. You've got Freddie Freeman. You've Got Gavin Lux, Max Muncie, Justin Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? That's five infielders right there that you can use on any given night, and you know what? It's going to be relatively solid. But Cody Bellinger, he wound up having like 14 strikeouts and 19 plate appearances in the spring training games and just looked absolutely terrible. Last season, he had some of the worst splits that you're going to find for any hitter in the history of baseball. In 86 at bats against left handed pitching, a buck 16 batting average. He had 20 strikeouts and 10 hits against lefties, so boy, that's not good. Chris Taylor is a guy that you're able to rely upon in Mookie Betts. I mean, if there is a superstar that might be a little bit underrated, it is him because he could change a game on the base pass. His fielding is second to none. He's got just an ability to be able to hit to all areas of the park. He's got power. He's able to hit for average. I love his game. Will Smith, not necessarily the greatest offensive catcher, but a guy that is one of the best hitting catchers. And you're going to find it all in baseball, so I think that the Dodgers should be the favorite, but you do take a look at the San Francisco Giants team, and what carried them is the fact that they and the LA Dodgers last year were 1-2 with regards to bullpen ERA, though you do wind up losing... Kevin Gossman for the San Francisco Giants team. You do take a look at the bullpen, and it is still very rock solid for the team. You wind up bringing back so many of the guys that made this team successful last year like a Jarlin Garcia, Zach Liddell, is a guy that he wanted finishing up the year last year with like a 2.92 ERA. Jake McGee is a guy that you're able to rely upon. Tyler Rogers, a little bit erratic, but he's able to get the job done. And then Logan Webb was legitimately one of the best starters in all of baseball. He had a 20 start stretch in which the team wound up winning 18 of those starts. He was terrific. Alex Wood, a little bit of an up and down year last season, a 3.83 ERA. You do have some concerns there. The big thing with Wood is that he does a not necessarily great job of being able to have command from time to time, right around bucks per nine innings last season. A guy that allowed well, opponents had 282 off of him when he was away from San Francisco so that is a little bit of an issue. Not necessarily going to be a high strikeout guy but I like the fact that they picked up Alex Cobb last season. Alex Cobb was very underrated for the Angels and wound up actually having a big rise with regards to his strikeout numbers. He wound up getting 98 punch outs and 93 and a third innings last season. A guy that for his career Gets more like 7 punch outs for 9 innings. I don't know how sustainable that is, but he's relatively solid. Catcher spot is going to be big because you wind up losing the heart and soul of this team. That would be Buster Posey because not only was Buster Posey good with the bat, but he just does the little things. He calls a game so well, so I think losing him is actually going to hurt this bullpen a little bit as well, but Joey Bart is a guy that can immediately come in with his bat. He's not going to be able to do all the little things that Buster Posey was able to do, but he's still going to be rock solid, and he, these pitchers are going to be bad backed up by a team that feels relatively well. You bring back Wilmer Flores. Thario Estrada is a guy that I've always liked for this team, Brandon Belt. You take a look at his power numbers last season. He had 29 home runs in 97 games. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Evan Longoria, if he's able to even be healthy for like 120 20 games, that's going to be solid. Mikey Stremski was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last year. A guy with a .224 batting average and you take a look at it and he wound up having a lot of those 50-50 balls that they just wound up getting caught every single time. I think that he's going to be able to return with a little bit of a vengeance and still was able to do a solid job of being able to draw a lot of walks last season and still belted 25 home runs. You pick up Jock Peterson, you got Darren Ruff, who's a very good situational batter, a guy that wound up having 16 home runs and right around 260 at-bats, so that is a very good platoon outfield that you're able to utilize some guys, some nights. You're able to really play the matchups well. Gabe Kapler has done an amazing job of be able to utilize that. And then Tyler Beattie, a guy that wound up being banged up the last few years, being able to get him back if you're able to get anything whatsoever out of them. That's going to be able to help out this pitching staff as well. And then the Colorado Rockies are a team that I might be taking a little bit more of a look at and over. If I'm looking at one of these poopy teams of the under, it is still the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're going to get into the Diamondbacks first because they wound up just last year having an absolutely terrible I mean, terrible team in terms of belting the ball. I am a guy that I love small ball. I love teams that they wind up playing the situations very well. They had one guy last year wrap up the season with more than 14 home runs, and that'd be Eduardo Escobar, who played 98 games and then got traded at the trade deadline. Quital Marte of the Marte Parte had 14 home runs. He was their leader in terms of home runs last season. That is just absolutely unacceptable, and that is absolutely terrible. I mean, man, who are you going to be looking to? I mean, Marte of the Marte Parte is able to do a good job, but I mean, now you're looking to Nick Ahmed, Sergio Alcantara, Paven Smith, Christian Walker. I mean, these guys that they maybe showed flashes for like a month throughout their career and all of a sudden they need to do something. Their outfield is currently Jake McCarthy, David Peralta, and Cooper Hummel. That doesn't sound like a winning combination to me. Jordan Luplo. I mean, this guy was a failure with the Indians. That's not great and then you take a look at this bullpen and what really kills you with the Diamondbacks is that you've got a couple decent starters. Medicine Baumgartner, I recognize the fact that he wound up not necessarily being the same the last few years as he was with the San Francisco Giants, but I mean, in the months of July and August, he wound up combining for right around a 2.8-ish ERA. He was actually halfway decent in that stretch. He wound up showing a little bit of sign of life. If you're able to utilize him in the right ways, you've actually still got a little bit of something over there. Zach Gallen is a kid with a lot of upside, it's just a fact that his command sometimes gets away from him a little bit. wound we'll up having right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but a guy that his strikeouts per nine for his career is north of ten. He's actually got a whole lot of upside. I like Zach Allen, but is just fielding around him lets him down. You've got Merrill Kelly, a guy that actually wound up being the only guy that could pretty much get a win for the Arizona Diamondbacks in the summer months last season. A guy that does a good job of be able to keep the game out in front of him. He does a solid job of be able to give the seam length, and that was big because the reason why he was able to get those wins that other teams and other guys on the team weren't is because, well, the bullpen was so terrible last year. It's not even funny. I mean, Noah Ramirez, Sean Poppin, Corbin Martin, Ian Kennedy, that's right now what you're looking at with this bullpen. Humberto Castellanos was a guy that was okay as a starter, but what really did in the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you just can't do this, is that you would have guys go in the starting rotation, and then you'd send them to the bullpen, and then three weeks later, they're starting again, and then three weeks later, they're going back into the bullpen, and as a pitcher, you just can't can't operate that way your preparation from being a starting pitcher to a reliever is so completely different I know that there are good people out there that are gonna say just do the role that you're meant to but you have to prepare completely differently trying to do so on the fly it's like taking an accountant and trying to make him into an IT guy three weeks later making him into an accountant and then three weeks later he's back in IT I mean what are they doing that's My rant on the Arizona Diamondbacks, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why I am not necessarily bullish on this team, so we've got that going on, and then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies, and I think that this could be a relatively solid team, because even though you do lose 55 shades of John Gray, this is a bunch of which they are going to obviously have that home field advantage that they always have. They do wind up signing Chris Bryant. Now, losing Trevor Story, that is going to be affecting them a little bit, but... I take a look at this bunch. They do have some young up-and-coming talent. I think that you could wind up getting a little bit of brightness out of Connor Joe. This is a team that they're still going to be able to hit. Now, away from home, they were a little bit more suspect, but CJ Krohn is someone that wound up belting 28 home runs last season. You take a look at what he wound up doing on the road, and certainly, you wound up having a little bit of a fall-off with those power numbers. He wound up having 9 home runs in 234 at bats, and he is a guy that, with regards to his on-base, was only right around at 340 away from home, more like at 412 at home, but still certainly someone that is able to provide you with some professional at-bats. Jose Iglesias is someone that they bring in. He's not necessarily going to be a guy that's going to be doing a tremendous job with the bat, but a guy that's able to field. Brendan Rodgers has some upside as well. You take a look at the outfield, you bring in Randall Gritchick. The big thing for him is just being able to put the ball in play because if you're able to do that out there at Coors, you're able to avoid the strikeouts, which has been a little bit of an issue for him. You've got some upside. Charlie Blackman had some very demonstrative home and road splits last season. It was absolutely insane to take a look at. As a matter of fact, you take a look at it, and he wound up hitting, out of his 13 home runs, 11 of them at home last season, but he's still a guy that does a good job of being able to consistently get on base for you, so I think that that's going to be beneficial, and they've rolled the dice on a couple guys that I think are worth rolling the dice on. I mean, Chad Cool is someone that's able to give you some relatively solid innings. I felt like he should have been given a little bit more of an opportunity when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a guy that, with the Pirates, has always had an ERA that hovers right around like a 4-3, 4-4, 4 3, 4 4. As a matter of fact, his career is a 444. Nothing great, nothing terrible. A guy that does a good job of being able to keep the game out in front of him. Not a high strikeout guy, but not a guy that is going to light the game on fire. So I do think that he's actually going to be relatively solid when it comes to being able to pitch at Coors Field. You take a look at what you're able to get out of Kyle Friedland as well. He's going to be coming back in Friedland. Wound up having a nice bounce back last season. A 433 ERA is not necessarily something to be trumpeting about, but I mean, on the road, 380 four ERA a guy that wound up giving up in his road starts last season. Right around a home run and a half for nine innings, that's maybe a little bit more than what you'd like. Not necessarily a high strikeout guy, but did a good job of being able to avoid trouble, so I think that there's a little bit of upside there. Erman Marquez is one of the more underrated pitchers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. And Antonio Sensatella wound up having a solid stretch towards back half of last season as well. A guy that from July on wound up posting up right around a three five ish ERA. What is interesting about Sensatella, by the way, a sub-4 home ERA and a 5 ERA on the road. Road. Those numbers wound up being able to be a little bit better towards back half of last season, and you notice it with the Rockies in general. The Rockies, I think that they wound up going something like 9-35 and in their first 44 road games towards the beginning part of last season. Towards back half of it, they were a little bit better, but I do think that bringing in Alex Colomay is going to be able to help out a bullpen that was just legitimately terrible last season. Robert Stevenson was one of my favorite guys. They wound up bringing him back. If Austin Gomer can avoid the walks, and he was able to do so towards back half of last season, I think that you've got a little bit of something here. And then you take a look at the Slam Diego Padres. I like the fact that they pick up Shamanea. That is very big, but I just take a look at this team and we were talking about it with Danny Vietti. Health is going to be such a massive concern for this team because no doubt Fernando Tatis Jr. dealing with his ailments, that's not necessarily too terrific for this team. He was just injured all last season hopefully when they do wind up having him play just a full allotment that he's just going to be completely right, but I think that you've got a little bit of a boomer bust team because some of these pitchers, outside of Joe Musgrove, and I'll throw in their Sean Manet as well, they're a little bit of a roll of the dice. You Darvish after the All-Star break wound up having a north of five ERA. Mike Clevenger did not wind up pitching at all last season. Mackenzie Gore is a guy that I think has tremendous upside, but he's a guy that at the minor league levels, he was very feast or famine himself, so that's going to be intriguing to take a look at. Chris Chris Paddock has had an ERA throughout his career that has actually been better on the road than at home, which makes no sense. Last year, a 633 home ERA, a 405 road ERA, and you pitch in San Diego and you have a worse ERA in San Diego than on the road. It just feels like you have no idea what's going on there. Emilio Pagan could not stop giving up home runs last season. It's a bullpen that I thought was going to be really good last season, but he didn't necessarily come to the forefront. Tim Hill, every time he winds up going out there, I always have to hold my breath. Luis Garcia is a addition that I actually really like for the team, but now he's up there in age. He's 35 years old. Nabel Krismet and Austin Adams. Our guys are a little bit underrated. Hopefully they get utilized in good roles. And what are you going to do with Nelson Lamed? Denelson Lomet? Nelson Lamette, a few years ago was one of the best starters in baseball. And now ever since the injury, they just completely mishandled him. You just have no idea what you're going to be able to get out of him. And then Blake Snell. I mean, this guy was just absolutely masterful at home towards the beginning part of the season. He had a 6-12 road ERA last season. And that's because he wanted closing out the season with a flurry. There was a point in the month of July in which his road ERA was north of 8. It's as if he he forgot how to pitch when he was away from San Diego, so that's a little bit of an issue. The catcher spot, I mean, can you get much more locked and loaded than having Austin Nola, Victor Carantini, and Jorge Alfaro, but I mean, what is having three catchers like that going to do for you? Why not wind up redistributing it, have a little bit more of a backup plan for Fernando Tatis Jr. because right now your backup shortstop is Kevin Prichardo, which that's not great. Awesome. Kim has just not been able to translate what he did in the KBO to the big leagues. Jake Cronenworth is a guy that I do like. And then out there in the outfield, Trent Grisham wound up having a little bit of a tough year last year. I think that he's going to be able to rebound. A guy that I like with regards to the way that he plays the field in general, wound up hitting a 242 last season. Seems like he got a little bit unlucky. I think that he'll be able to have a bounce back. Will Myers, I think that he's in for a solid year as well. I don't know if he's necessarily going to refine the form that he wound up having more towards that 2020 season, which he winds up hitting a 290. He wound up belting 15 bombs in 55 games. I think that that's a little bit of an aberration at this point, but I think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better, and then I think we could all agree Eric Cosmer is just a big flip and waste of money. So, you've got a San Diego Pottery team that I think that they're going to be above 500. I think that they're going to be halfway decent, but a lot of question marks, I would not be willing to take them over with regards to their season win total. And if you're just looking at what I like with regards to season wins in regards to the National League, the over that I really like is the Miami Marlins. I think that this is a team that they've got a very good opportunity to be above 500. If you're looking at the unders, the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks, I mean, I don't know if they wind up being able to get to 60 wins this season. They're just a team that is very much a hot mess. And then if you're looking at another under that I like well the New York Mets because well they're gonna find a way to mess it up so that's what I'm looking at with regards to these divisions I really don't think that there's too many long shots Then you can take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies out there in the east at north of three dollars I think that that's worth a little bit of a look but past that I think that most of the favorites are going to be able to get the job done so that's my preseason preview of the National League and starting up Thursday, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Picks and analysis on every single MLB game, every single day on this podcast. Baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Danny Vietti of CBS Sports and the Weekend Rake podcast for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever for this podcast, you've got one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gunit underscore D-1. Keep in mind, letters, E-M. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'll be coming at you guys starting Thursday morning, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. So thank you so much for tuning in and let's have ourselves a great season.